0: Trees. Growing up in rural Canada and having huge trees growing in my front and backyard has made me appreciate these magnificent creations. I've been particularly delighted to see how God has placed me in homes or churches with beautiful tree-lined streets. For instance, New Hope Fellowship was graced with wondrous jacarandas with their abundant purple plumage. I always knew trees were valuable, but an ecological site confirmed my vague knowledge. There I learned that trees are essential to us as they provide us with oxygen, improve our air quality, conserve water, and preserve our soil and wildlife. In fact, one acre of forest absorbs six tons of carbon dioxide and puts out four tons of oxygen. This is enough to meet the annual needs of 18 people. Their presence also moderates our climate by taming the effects of sun, rain, and wind. What an impressive array of skills our trees have. And for any of us aware of the harsh effects of a desert, we are especially grateful for the beauty and refuge of trees. No wonder then that trees were the first thing that God planted in his new world, causing them to spring forth on the third day of creation. He knew that the rest of his creation would require the tireless efforts of trees to provide their food, protection, and housing. Yet throughout scripture, we see that God has designed trees to represent so much more than these three life-saving essentials. When he placed his human creation in his magnificent garden, we are told that he made all sorts of trees to grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced a delicious fruit. And in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in this abundant botanical paradise, there is only one restriction. You may eat freely of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Have we not just read that the trees God planted were beautiful and produced delicious fruit and there was no shortage of the lavish bounty that God provided? In fact, his creation was allowed to eat freely of the tree of life, ensuring their immortality. But there was only one limitation, and yet it was this one tree that the man and woman were convinced was exceedingly delicious and marvelously capable of giving them the wisdom equal to God. And so they ate, and their souls shriveled and their conscience before pure and unsullied became tainted. And it was only then that God knew that they had to be removed from the tree of life to avoid an eternity devoid of intimacy with God. Nonetheless, God has used trees throughout biblical history to convince his children of his presence and provision. Take, for instance, Abraham, dagger raised to slay his son Isaac. God halted him from his downward thrust and directed his gaze to a thicket in which a ram was caught by its horns, providing instead an appropriate sacrifice, having proven his unwavering faith in a God who provides. And what about Jacob, having been cheated of his wages time and again by his deceitful uncle Laban, followed the heavenly advice and took some fresh branches from poplar and almond and plane trees, peeled off strips of bark, and placed the peeled branches in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink. Through this ingenious method, Jacob's flocks produced numerous stronger speckled sheep and goats, thus increasing his wealth beyond Laban's. God also instructed Moses to use a selected branch to purify the bitter water at Marah to quench the thirst of the complaining Israelites. Furthermore, he guided the 12 spies into the land of promise, where they discovered fruit so abundant that in cutting down a singular branch from a tree, it took men, two men to carry the single cluster of grapes. God also instituted a permanent seven day festival of praise and celebration, which required his people to gather branches from palm willows and other leafy trees to wave in thanksgiving before the Lord. So they would remember their years of wandering when God provided them with shelters, having rescued them from their enslavement in Egypt. Trees also signified by David as symbols of praise when he wrote in his song of thanksgiving. Then the trees of the forest shall, shall sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. Further, his children would not be devoid of the tree of life as the Hebrew scrolls were carried by handled, handles called haim translated as tree of life. This notion is furthered by Proverbs 3.18, which states godly wisdom is as a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. And Proverbs 11 also teaches that the seeds of good deeds become trees of life. A wise person wins friends. Solomon also references the tree of life in speaking of the importance of hope, writing, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Even the suffering Job uses trees as a reference for hope, stating, For there is a hope for a tree, even if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, that by its roots, its shoots will not cease. How many times have all of us marveled at a tiny new shoot springing forth from a stump? King Nebuchadnezzar is given a vision of a large tree reaching high into the heavens for all the world to see. And also he sees a heavenly being coming down to chop down that tree, leaving only a stump. Well, frightened as he is by this vision, the king sought the wisdom of Daniel, who informed him that the king's pride and wickedness had brought him to this place of judgment, but that truly he would spring forth again, just like that, that shoots from a stump when he acknowledged that all the acts of God are just and pure, and he is able to humble the proud. God doesn't just use the tree as a sign of judgment, but also of righteousness. Psalm 1 explains that those who delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, are like trees planted along a riverbank, bearing fruit every season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. The prophet Jeremiah echoes this when he writes, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water, and such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. A psalm to be sung on the Sabbath day also references the flourishing of the righteous, like palm trees, indicating that they are transplanted to the Lord's own house, where they will flourish in the courts of our God, producing fruit even in old age and remaining ever vital and green. The New Testament also uses trees to teach us, and in this case, it's Zacchaeus we see who scrambled up a fig tree in order to catch a glimpse of Jesus, only to find himself the Savior's host, where his own salvation was on the menu. Jesus also used the fig tree as a lesson of faith to his disciples. Having accursed an unfruitful fig tree, Jesus explained to his astonished disciples, have faith in God. Similarly, he uses the mustard tree and its tiny seed as an illustration of faith in the kingdom of heaven. The Apostle Paul uses the olive tree to symbolize the grafting of the Gentiles into the branch of the chosen children of Israel in order that they may receive the blessing of God that was promised to Abraham and his children, sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. Finally, God's greatest gift, his one and only son, is symbolized as a shoot coming up from the stump of Jesse. And in the passage prophesying his suffering, we read, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his presence. Furthermore, Jesus himself becomes the tree of life as he is condemned to die by the chief priests by being hung on a tree. Peter understands this brilliant symbolic message. Having been miraculously released from prison, he is instructed by the Holy Spirit to go to the temple and give the people this message of life that the God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a tree. He repeated this message to Cornelius and his Roman household in Acts 10 and later wrote the churches that Jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the tree so that we can be dead of sin and live for what is right. Indeed, God did bestow on us the tree of life through the death of Jesus on the tree, through which we have salvation and forgiveness. And we'll receive this tree in the new heavens and the new earth, as the prophecy of Revelations 22 indicates. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. Their leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. And it is through Jesus Christ and his redemption that we become oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Let us then rejoice in the trees that God has given us and what they represent to us as we discover in its branches life forevermore. Amen and amen.